1: you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.
2: Hey, WAG listeners, it's Allison, reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Canada Land supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canada Land shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes from some of our
0: podcasts. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. For $2 a month, you can become a supporter and do your part to ensure we can continue making this show. And we really like making this show for you.
2: Basically, nothing costs $2 anymore. You could, like, get a bag of candy, a locker at a public swimming pool. I've been honestly trying to think of something that cheap, and I'm not getting far.
0: So sign up for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to CanadaLand.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today.
2: working hard every day we got the heart to find a way nobody said, nobody said it was an, it was easy, an easy road, road.
0: and, we, and we won't stop we don't ever fold we got big big dreams so you got to believe in someone you trust to make them real
2: with one good, with plan, one good plan a future, a future to, to build. build it's up to you and me always fighting for you just like when we started we got to make it through. All in now. We'll get it done. Always fighting for you. Just like when we started. Just like when we started. We got to make it we through. got
0: to make it through. All in now. We'll get it. Get it done. Get it
2: done. Get it done. All, All in now. now.
0: We'll, we'll get, get, it. It. get it. Get done. it done.
2: Get it get done. done. All in now. All in now.
0: We'll, we'll get it. it.
2: get it it done. done. So those were the lyrics to Doug Ford's and the PC Party's new campaign song, Get It Done, which feels like it's on track to become just as much of an earworm as For the People did during the 2018 campaign. We're here today because campaign season has begun. The writ was dropped on Wednesday, and the Ontario election is less than a month away on June 2nd.
0: Ooh, have we, have we yet gotten the usual tweet from Steve Pakin about how writs aren't actually dropped, but rather drawn up? Like, it's not an election in, in, in Canada or in Ontario until he exasperatedly weighs in on this point. And uh, I just checked. And yes, the election has in fact begun. So during this campaign period, WAG will be going weekly. Uh, Doug himself will presumably be going daily, but that's 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 still that's that's still unusual. Every Friday we'll have an episode to fill you in on the big stories of the week, and hopefully also the really small ones, because who else is gonna keep track of the party's shitty Star Wars Day tweets?
2: For these weekly episodes, we're gonna be trying to cover a wider breadth of content in each show. Uh,
0: wagging more than just the Doug is were.
2: I'm Alison Smith, publisher of Queen's Park today. And I secretly like that campaign song.
0: I'm Jonathan Goldsby, news editor at Canada Land. And I thought maybe we should commission a remix of this one too, just to hear what it sounds like. But like, I, I can't imagine it'll turn out better than our current theme song, which, like, I don't know, is still probably the most reliably great thing about the show. Which, I mean, with all due respect to everyone else who works on it, like, the song is pretty great.
2: And this is Wag the Doug, a weekly podcast about the Ontario election campaign. we want to get into a question Jonathan and I talk a lot about uh, not on the air but finally we want, to, we want to bring it to you guys and we want to find out who is Stephen Del Duca
0: well quite helpfully he's offered a series of videos on YouTube called Who I Am not to be confused with Who Am I which is the song from Liam I feel like I would learn more about him if he were singing that but here, here's a clip from a Who I Am video
1: what did you do at school today? I don't know Nothing? You did nothing at school? I don't know that I believe that. Two kids, two dogs, two very busy careers, like many other households.
0: (laughs) What do you call a fish with no eye? (laughs) 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 They're both really, really smart. For the most part, they get along really well with one another, which is nice to see. (laughs) Who cares? The The videos are a special kind of hell. It really
1: is.
2: So those are from a content series, quote unquote, digital content series that the Ontario Liberal Party pushed out this week, aiming to define Stephen Del Duca since, as like many polls have shown, the vast majority of people in Ontario do not know who he is.
0: Okay, I, like I like the idea of a content series as opposed to a forum series, just like videos of John Cage's 433 or, or something.
2: Yeah. So that one is called Who Am I? The Circle of Support. No, no, who which I is am. Who I am. Who I am. Circle of Support. My first uh, reaction to it is incredibly cringe. Um, I want to use an Internet word that I've never said out loud before, but it's very soy.
0: <laughs> oh, I think you are going to say sus.
2: Also sus. Also sus. I mean, I get the idea, the concept uh, that the liberals want to show people who Stephen Del Duca is. But like, one, no one's going to watch this. Currently, well,
0: 661 people have, including us, probably are like five, 10 multiple times.
2: Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's like seems targeted more so at journalists who will like write a story mentioning the fact that the liberals are trying to define Stephen Del, who du, Stephen Del Duca is like that seems like the actual audience. I do not care whether or not his daughters get along. That is the most boring topic of conversation I could possibly imagine. I do think it's interesting that his wife is in the videos uh, and that she's a registered lobbyist for companies like Google. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) Ah. So uh, Circle of Support. Yes. Uh, Oh, my goodness. We could spend the whole episode talking about these videos. Um, You get a lot of it listening to it, but there are things you don't get, like who decided it would be a good idea to feature him and his family making what appear to be meatballs. Theoretically, that sounds OK. Like, oh, they're rolling little balls. No, but for most of the video, they just like have their hands in like this bowl full of like raw ground beef, just sort of like <laughs> shaping it and molding it. It is, I don't know what discussions led to. It's like, just stick your hands in, in the the raw, <laughs> gross, ground pork probably. I mean, I appreciate the counterintuitive uh, nature of it. Um, in that respect, I think it's... it's um, it's something I've not seen that I've not seen many political ads that feature the candidate in question shoving their hands into. A, 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 it's not called. It's not really dough. It's not really a patty. It's more just yeah, just like a bowl full of a mass of of, gra- of like ground meat. So that that that's definitely breaking new ground.
2: There's also a part where he's just like sitting at a table with his mom, looking at a photo book.
0: How old do you think I am in that picture? Eight. Oh, eight. So I'm eight years old in this picture, and I'm almost the same height as Nelson. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which, like, we're like that. Oh, that is... was in
0: part three. That uh, that was in part three. Yeah, that's
2: a boring activity, even to really do, to be honest. Let alone watch someone else do. And like a part where he just goes, "I love you, mom. You care about people, and that's what I really love about you."
0: Thanks, mom. I love you. Okay, I just want to go back to this part. I could you just go to twenty four, the twenty four second mark in the episode one video. Yeah, we like to laugh. So his daughter is riding alongside her dad in the front passenger seat of his car and holding like a frozen yogurt or ice cream or something, and it really sounds like she's asking in disbelief if he spit on something. I turned on the closed captioning to see if that might clarify something, but it seems they just sort of like. Chose not to caption that part in either of the two videos in which that clip appears. Could you just play that again? I just spit on my. <laughs> okay. That's I would like to laugh. It just it sounds like she's laughing about him having, did you just spit on my? Anyway. Because he said
2: fish without an eye, so he went, Pfft, so he was probably spitting from that's, that, that.
0: That's yeah. what I inferred. <clears throat> do, do they have multiple cameras going? That also suggests that they had either they did multiple takes of that, which is wild, or they had a camera getting coverage of each of them. Which is also wild. So we got to
2: move on to what Stephen Del Duca is presenting to Ontarians that don't watch him on YouTube. And the the biggest thing this week uh, was on Monday he kicked off. The campaign basically with his like big, bold promise of a buck a ride for transit. So it would be a dollar to take any go train trip or any TTC or municipal transit trip in the province or the Ontario Northland, which I think currently costs like over $100 to get a lot of places on that Uh because it goes very far. He says this will cost $700 million per year or at least in the first year and then go up a bit. Honestly, if that's all it costs to make transit a buck in Ontario, we should probably be doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, That does not seem very expensive, honestly, for that promise. Um, I mean, in general, I think it would be like pretty sick if it was only a dollar to take transit everywhere. So like that is a cool policy. But whether or not it's actually what like transit operators think will help their ridership or help them be able to run the show is uh, an open question.
0: I mean it's a sort of lost leader to get people back on transit after a couple of years of perhaps not taking transit. Yeah, sure. If you're looking to generate and encourage ridership, money is generally better spent on improving service and making it reliable and thorough. I mean, I do appreciate that it's like a dollar fares as opposed to free transit, which I think that that would be that would be great, but once again, the goal is to get more and more people riding, then it doesn't have to be free, just has to be better. And so trying to find a middle place between what it costs now and costing nothing uh, and taking that, this, you know, taking money, the money you would otherwise spend and making it free and putting it into improved service, that would be good. But, um, yeah, it I mean, it's obviously it's inherently necessarily a gimmick. But as far as gimmicks go, yeah, sure. It's a good policy. I don't know.
2: I mean, the thing is, what it will do is, like, who is this going to appeal to, right? It's not going to appeal to people necessarily in the 905 so much or other parts of the province as much as it's going to appeal to downtown Torontoites, I think. And, you know, maybe downtown Ottawaians. And it is a massive savings for people in the suburbs, right? Like a go bus from Mm -hmm. Union to Markham, like, that is probably $11. I guess what I'm trying to get at is that I think what it will do is scoop votes from the NDP in downtown Toronto, which is like where, you know, if I like how it looks right now is if Stephen Del Duke is going to get the liberals on June 2nd more than the seven seats that they have uh, after the last election, it's going to come from ridings that the NDP one in 2018, which are lots of them in in Toronto that were in liberal strongholds. So this kind of policy isn't scooping PC voters, it's scooping NDP ones.
0: But it's also very clearly constructed in opposition to Doug Ford's campaign, which I, the definition liberals are, but I mean, basically they've really gone all in on the highway branding, on um, highways, 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 basically up to the point where their ostensible Ontario budget for this year, which was released just the campaign platform, the, the cover, as opposed to now stock photography of people sitting around a table and smiling at their whatever, uh, it was based just a photo of, of uh, the, the 401 at one of its widest points of like 16 lanes, which is not normally what people associate with like things other than, than stress and anxiety, but they consider that a womening image for themselves. Hence the liberals apparently considering uh, we're the transit folks. Winning image. This is the fourth election in which the Ontario NDP has had uh, Andrew Horbath as leader. So a big question for that party is: What are they doing differently this time, and what kind of success are they aiming for?
2: Maybe I'll start with what they're aiming for. I went down to the NDP headquarters in South Etobicoke last week, and they kind of had some reporters sitting around the table talking, like on background with. Uh, The campaign team and like that what they're trying to really project is like we are so confident like we are the government in waiting and like we won 40 seats last time we only need 10 more seats is the number they're giving uh, to form a minority government so like we're the path of least resistance to beating Doug Ford, therefore vote for us. Like, that's very much their message, I think, at the beginning of the campaign, is like, we're the ones that can do it, we're the closest, Andrea Horvath, forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I was trying to get a sense of, I guess, what is their overall top-line message, because, I, you know, I watched Stephen Del Duca's videos, and I watched the, you know, the PC videos, and not that the video's the only way, but I was curious, what does the NDP have to offer in this regard? And what I found was instead that they seem to have sort of, like, lost their YouTube passwords several times over the years. Looking at the channels on, on YouTube, there's Ontario NDP, whose videos date from this past February up through a few days ago, Ontario NDP Caucus, videos from 2009 through a few weeks ago, Ontario's New Democrats, whose videos date from 2016 through 2020, and your Horvath, whose videos date from 2008 through 2009, and New Democrats TV, whose videos also date from 2008 to 2009. What does that say? Just that I It really seems that someone, they just sort of lost their password and had to keep starting channels. (laughs) Um, I should disclose I voted for Andrea Horvath when she first ran for leader of the party in 2009. I actually took out a membership just to vote in that leadership election. Not that I had especially strong feelings about any of the candidates, but more it's like, why the hell not? And then I let it lapse the next year when I decided to go into journalism full time. I know I voted for Michael Prue on the first ballot, but I think I picked her on the second and third. To the question of, like, it's for fourth election as leader, what's different? I mean, you know that line about how the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? Uh, it's often attributed to Einstein. It's emphatically not something he ever said. And just as emphatically as a piece of advice or a way of looking at the world, it is very much bad and wrong and probably ableist too. But I also can't wrap my head around, like, what the NDP is doing that would lead to a greater level of electoral success than the past three times. The big difference, obviously, is that they're up against an incumbent conservative government. And so it's not necessarily the same tug of war with the liberals over which party needs your vote to stop the conservatives from taking power. But it also kind of is just like slightly reformulated.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. Like my first line on this is like same old, same old. Um, Yeah, I think I would have loved to see the NDP come out with some like actual really bold policies, Mm -hmm. like show us what will be different if Doug Ford's out and like why you're actually willing to shake up uh, how this province is run. Like I think of some like policies that uh, Mike Shriner has pitched over the years because he's the green leader. Like he actually like will say things (laughs) that other leaders like do not dare, like get rid of the Catholic school system. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been talking about raising uh, taxes uh, really high on people that own more than two homes. Like, if we're talking about a housing crisis, why not say that, Andrea Horvath? Like, why not double ODSP rates? Things like that, like, that are actually kind of bold, but it's they're skittish as hell. Yeah. They're scared by, in my opinion, uh, what happened on the last campaign, which was the Toronto Sun going really hard after mm-hmm. their candidates um, and their policies. They mentioned a san- making Ontario a sanctuary province in their platform in the last election, which the uh, right-wing media went really hard on. Uh, their campaign chair, Michael Balagas, actually brought that up at that head- meeting at the headquarters I-, I told you I went to. And they said that they're kind of providing more clarity in how they word things this time around in their platform and, and other materials, which to me really just sounds like like we're cautious and we don't want to piss off the middle class boomer voters who are the ones, who, you know, the people who vote a lot and the ones we need. And it, I think it just really comes across that they're not being bold at yeah. all.
0: What do you make of, a, of the NDP that thinks they've been too cautious in the past? I mean, they've been marked deeply during Andrew Horvath's reign and maybe before that too, but I wasn't paying too much attention to Howard Hampton, but they were marked deeply by conservatism. And I don't mean conservatism in like the political sense, it's a little bit of that, like the ideological sense, but more in just, yeah, this timidity and this nervousness to do anything that might actually excite people, even if it's like superficial gimmick, like God help us buck a bus. But like there's this such this yeah the skittishness is exactly the correct word although I'd also argue it predates uh, the last election when they started to you know surpass the liberals in the polls and then found found that encountering a friction from the right wing media um, to me it's always I assume it's this matter of that this impossible task of straddling two very different bases and without trying to alienate the other that is to say the ridings in Toronto and other large cities where they compete with the liberals and the ridings in some other Large cities, but also outside of the large cities where they compete with the conservatives and trying to both. I don't think there really is nearly as much of a necessarily of any sort of cultural or political difference between a so called downtown elite and a working class voter in Hamilton. I'm pretty sure the interests are very much aligned on 90% of everything. But for whatever reason, they really feel like they have to walk some fine line to not alienate either side. And so they always end up taking what at least superficially appears to to be a middle path.
2: And I mean, I think that's what you can see with like the Democratic Party in the United States, too. Like it's the exact same criticisms they get. But like the NDP is supposed to be the left wing party. Like, Mm -hmm. why aren't they the Bernie Sanders wing of of Ontario politics? Like, I don't really see any reason why not. And I think that would actually galvanize support for them Mm -hmm. and make people excited, which would turn into votes or at least an interesting freaking conversation.
0: You'd think so. You'd hope so.
2: If anything, actually, I'll I'll mention like the policy that is probably in in the liberals are actually adding this and they're apparently going to do this, too. So it's not just the NDP, but the NDP want to uh, nationalize, for lack of a better word, even though it's provincial, all of Ontario's long term care home. There's like 600 of them. Many of them are owned by firms that are like traded on the TSX that own, like, real estate. We can't even imagine how much those real estate cost, right? 600 giant buildings all across uh, communities in Ontario. And, like, they want to buy up all of those and turn them into provincial property. And, like, I don't think we can even fathom how expensive and difficult that process will be. And, like, so that is a bold policy. Mm. But is anyone hearing that or, like, thinking about the actual realism of it? Like... The Ontario Long-Term Care Commission, which was like the Mm -hmm. uh, inquiry into the the first wave of crisis in long-term care during the pandemic and and all the deaths there, they said that the government should be hoteling residents, which means like let these big companies own the buildings, but then make all of the care public. So like the campaign slogan Mm. could be, we don't care who owns the buildings, but no one should profit off of care. Mm. Like that is actually a lot more sensible of a middle ground good policy, in my opinion, and a commission that was in charge of figuring something out, Mm. thought so too. But obviously it doesn't have a lot of, uh, you can't put it on a bumper sticker for lack of a better word, but they're not even using this kind of massive policy really to get themselves any traction anyways. So I don't know. It just seems like they're in some ways like going too far in a way that doesn't really make sense, but then in so many other ways, not doing shit (laughs) or not proposing shit.
1: That's stamps.com. Code program. Working hard every day. We got the heart to find a way. Nobody
2: I feel like I woke up in the morning with that song in my head. Like it's really catchy, I gotta
0: say. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <sighs> I like it. <laughs> I, no, I mean, it is. And I know by the end of the campaign, I, I will definitely also find it catchy. I think the issue for me so far is that for the people, the hook was was the chorus. Whereas this song, it's the working hard every day that is kind of the hook that's going to stick in your head first. The actual melody on the words, get it done. Now, get it done. is not as memorable.
2: All In Now kind of does a lot of the work, too. question a pair of journalists like jonathan and i may pose is how should a doug ford be how how does a
0: doug ford be how well those are perhaps different questions really how yeah how should doug ford be versus how does a doug ford be how yeah how how be he that doug ford how
2: how does a doug ford be (sighs) yeah I mean, I could start a Doug Ford be seeming glad that he's finally allowed to like fully get back into campaign mode officially, because that really seems like the only part of governing or being a politician (laughs) he actually likes. I went to the PC party's campaign uh, kickoff rally last night in Etobicoke, um, and his speech was honestly pretty good. Not the words so much, <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's not,
0: he's not so much into the the words. So, I guess this is why they talk about like not a content series, but more of a form series, yeah. Just,
2: this was a form series, yes. uh, because like there was a honestly a, a good level of enthusiasm and like gravitas from him that I haven't heard in a long time. He sounded like he was having fun
0: by being here tonight. You're sending a very clear message. Well, The the momentum we have is absolutely incredible, and it's truly, truly humbling.
2: Uh, the crowd was excited. It was like a fine rally.
0: It's <laughs> weird because on the one hand, this is exactly the, you know, the sort of superficial type analysis that people resent. But I do think it's the, the most important thing because that's like, I, I think it's trying to, I think it really is effectively explaining why the people who like him Do like him? They're not able to. They're not able to, or necessarily care to, call bullshit on the nonsense he's actually saying. But I imagine they respond to his passion and the fervor with which he says these things. And for people who are not generally engaged in politics, and goodness knows most people probably are not generally engaged in politics, but still ought to vote and have every right to shape the society around them. I'm sure this sounds uh, pretty good. It's like, oh, this guy's passionate about stuff about. Highways. Things, highways.
2: Not sitting in traffic. There's actually a really good example of something that happened the last night that yes. um, I think proves your point perfectly. And that was one of the biggest cheer lines the crowd exploded into chairs for was uh, him saying we're going to get it done and build the road to the ring of fire. We, we are saying yes to getting Highway 413 built
0: and saving drivers 30 minutes on their commute. Yes to getting the Bradford Bypass built. And we're saying yes to finally getting that road built to the ring of fire.
2: Which I found very odd. And it was at the end of a list of things and it got like a lot of bombast on those beats of like ring of fire. But like the crowd went wild and I was like, what? Like, what are these teenagers in Etobicoke as lots of teenagers were there give a shit about the Ring of Fire road like do they even know what that is
0: it sounds very exciting I suppose we're going to build this road to the Ring of Fire <laughs> I mean that's like the end of the movie The Ninth Gate I I believe um, <laughs> good, point, gonna, good point Good yeah but, I mean it's a great regardless of whether you know what it is or not it's a great thing to end on to build to like I, one of the interesting things about I don't it's much less so with Doug Ford but certainly with Rob is that like the Something you don't often see in politics in Canada, or at least in Southern Ontario, is there's a real thread of religious fervor among a part of the supporters. There's a certain level of devotion that is unusual and uncharacteristic. And there is um, there, there are certain religious tropes in how they, certainly in how Rob would perform and how he would be received. And Doug tries that a bit. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just think this the building and building, and building to a, a crescendo about a, a ring of fire makes me think you could just as easily have been talking about a lake of fire uh, in terms of just like, well, oh, that's great rhetoric, whether it means anything or not. And to a certain portion of the population, the very fact of great rhetoric is more important than whether it necessarily has means anything or not, because it presumably means something to, to them.
2: Yeah, it was not honestly a massive crowd, to be honest, like they really only had like seven rows of chairs and just packed everything yeah. into this one small little kind of thing in the center. The bus, which Doug Ford calls the the Yes Express, his campaign bus, did drive around inside kind of around the back, which Ooh. is always, like, pretty exciting. It's fun to see a giant bus drive around inside. Am I a four-year-old boy? Perhaps. Um, but what stood out for me actually was, like, the all of the limelight was on Ford. Nobody introduced him. Uh, no of, No. No backfifers, no no nothing. No uh, campaign organizers took the stage. None of his family came up to the podium. None of the other PC Party candidates, although some of them were there, uh, got up or did anything it was literally a, a a voice from above over a broadcast speaker at one point a couple times said like we're starting she called it an exciting program is it going to start soon so i kind of assumed something other than just a speech was going to happen but no the bus wheeled around he got out of it 15 minutes i swear his speech was that and then it was just over and that was it other than like the blasting theme song so huh That kind of like shows. Yeah, I think like uh, if we're reading the like political strategy behind that is like Ford is the focus, like the PCs. They also put out ads back in March where like they're very Ford heavy. It's just him like shaking people's hands and like so I think they're just confident that he's actually a selling point, like despite a large chunk of the province really hating him. Their polling must show that enough people think that, you know, he is premier, (laughs) that how he
0: be. (laughs) So I guess the question is, I mean, what could happen plausibly or less plausibly for him not to be returned as premier?
2: What would be fun is if like the opposition is sitting on like some amazing Oppo research of like huge dirt on the PCs that we don't know about already. I am skeptical that that's going to happen, but that would make the campaign uh, more interesting to me. Uh, So hoping some of that spills out. I mean, what else could happen? Like they are really far up in the polls, like many, many points. So it's like really is looking good for them. I did talk to a former PC staffer at the event last night and kind of was like trying to pick his brain. And he did let on that like this much momentum early in a campaign can actually be a bit of a curse for a government Mm -hmm. because their base gets complacent. Like people aren't going to be excited. Mm -hmm. You know, polling might show people love this Highway 413, but do they love it enough to get off the couch and vote for it or just like as a concept it doesn't? Make them that mad? Like <laughs> it's the highway through yeah. Kaladin, for God's sakes. Like, is that actually exciting, or is it just something people don't
0: dislike? Um, uh, so, like the power, like the, like the power of the dog, or power, like the power of the dog that movie, like or like any Oscar frontrunner that peaks a little bit too early is the question of like, is it people that don't. Dislike it or does anyone act? People do people then they tend to gravitate towards the ones they actually like. So, will he be upset by a coda, or is this like a shape of water scenario in which he is the front runner going in and is going to remain the front runner because there's just so much momentum that even if he loses some of it, still coast along to the end?
2: Maybe there'll be like a La La Land moonlight scenario where they accidentally read the wrong premier's name at the end of the hmm. election. <laughs> And to end our weekly campaign episodes, Jonathan and I are going to rank some other events that happen on the hustings and election-related ephemera of the week.
0: So it just occurred to us we should probably come up with a clever name for this segment, but we have not done so yet and we're not going to pause the recording to do so now. Rank the Doug is currently the lead, but it's not just going to be ranking Doug, so please uh, tweet at us if you have some ideas. I will spend too long thinking of puns.
2: So we're going to rank these items chosen by our producer, Kevin, on a scale of one to 413 in honor of the highway through Caledon that is defining provincial politics at this moment.
0: One's the lowest. Is 413 the best? No, 413 probably doesn't need to exist at all. And it's probably a bad idea. And, you know, with various uh, other interests involved. But for the purpose of this, uh, 413 will be the most 413 number. So... The first item up is Fortle. This is a as the basically as you would exactly imagine, it is a clever spin on Wordle by iPolitics where you guess a five-letter word related word. It is cute, it is clever, it's a sort of thing the National Post would have done before they lost their sense of humor, but also like the real Wordle, it is far Too easy, and people don't really talk about that enough. When I tried it the other day, I got it on my first try because it it, was—it was was folks.
2: It took me five tries to get that, so I (laughs) should be kicked off this podcast. And I write the Fordal one.
0: Oh goodness, Uh, Fordal! I will out of four hundred thirteen. I would rank the Fordal two hundred eighty-seven.
2: All right. Next we have Andrea Horvath's May the Fourth meme. She released this on Twitter on uh, May the 4th. It says, Episode 9, The Rise of Andrea. The writ drops. Andrea Horvath nominates candidates in every riding of Ontario. She's Ontario's best hope to defeat Doug Ford and fix the things that matter to people. She just needs 10 more seats.
0: May the 4th be with you. And there's like a, a, an image of her head photoshopped on the body of Daisy Ridley as Ray. And they changed the, the, the lightsaber color to, to orange. And it says, The Rise of Andrea. Damn, I should
2: not have rated my one rating on the Fordal. I hate this way more. Uh, Do you want to go
0: back and redo the Fordal rating? No, seriously. <laughs> I don't think it matters. Okay, oh, okay. this also gets a one. <laughs> oh, I, I yeah, because I, I I feel like if there are 413 different gradations, sure, I should stop using one. I mean, this is this is not. I would not characterize this as evil. But it did make me despair for reasons that are probably more to do with me than to do with this meme, and and which I'm still very much unpacking. But out of 1 to 4 to 13, I'd probably put it around, like, I don't know, a 6? It made me profoundly sad in ways that, once again, I'm still trying to cope with. Maybe partly it's just like The Rise of Skywalker is one of the worst Star Wars movies. Why don't you just might as well do The Phantom Menace? There's that. It's the, the the Pokemon go to the polls aspect of it, which people called out. I mean, it's this sort of thing he gets dunked on Twitter. Once again, this does not actually harm or impair anything, but there is still some profound sadness to it in imagining, just trying to guess, imagine the thought process of someone who thought that this was going to be. I I don't know. Yeah. It fucking I, I don't sucks. know.
2: It's fucking lame. It just it fucking it, sucks. Yeah. It's. Um, <laughs> OK, so there was another May the 4th piece of garbage and that we need to rank. And that is Stephen Del Duca's reaction, specifically his own little meme, which was uh, taken from a a PolyLEGO Poly account. So this is an account that makes like politics things frequently. Um out of lego characters i think they are on the west coast or something because they seem to do a lot of more kind of bc stuff than they do ontario stuff anyways they made all of the four provincial leaders into star wars characters then the one of del duca is very bald and he quote tweeted it with that and said that's no moon that's my hairline I don't get that joke. Is that a Star Wars reference? Yeah,
0: oh, it is. When they're when they're approaching the Death Star in the first movie, um, they, they it's so big they they mistake it for a moon and like and like one of them is like, oh, that's not actually a moon. It's a it's a space station. I came up with the actual lions, so he he's making fun of his, his baldness and randomness of his head, uh, which is actually once again in the context of like what how other people did it. Uh, like like Andrew Horvath quote tweeted the same thing, uh, commenting. Um, in the thing, she's wearing like one of the like the orange hoth type jumpsuits with the blaster. And she said, like, I used to bullseye womp rats in my T sixteen back home in Hamilton. I would love to ask her if she knows what any of those things mean other than Hamilton. Anyway, um
2: I mean I think it's 4th, funny that he made fun of his hairline. Time. I'm fine with that. I don't care about Star Wars. I don't care about Lego. I don't get the joke, but it doesn't make me feel as bad. It looks like something I can just look at and completely glaze over and it just disappears into the stream of the internet and I don't have to think about it or remember it, which I find more pleasant than the Horvath one. So from one to four, 13, maybe I'll give it a, I'll give it a 16. Okay.
0: From one to four and a 13, I would probably, once again, uh, since there's a bit of a curve thanks to the Andrew Horvath thing, I would probably rate this closer to like an 87 It's just as ephemeral as Twitter ought to be without being so bad that it sort of takes you out of your life and into a dark place. Finally, I want to talk about the new Ontario Liberal logo, which is in a circle. It's red, has the word liberal, but has a perfectly horizontal line over the E which is surely some designer's clever solution for presenting the name so it works in both English and French, you know, liberal. But in practice, it comes off looking like it couldn't decide whether to be an accent aigu or an accent grave and sort of chose to split the difference with a meaningless non-entity that couldn't really decide whether to lean left or right, which, frankly, I, I... yeah. I mean, I, I get that now. That, that, that's, that actually is kind of clever.
2: Um, I know a few things about this logo. One there are is... There things to know about it. I'm impressed. Yeah. So a, uh, a liberal uh, official, I suppose, told me that it's, yeah, it's a bilingual logo and that they're actually um, riffing on the federal liberals logo, which has a little leaf over the letter, or over top of it, which is apparently that leaf is supposed to be doing the same thing oh. and making it
0: bilingual, which I never caught. Oh, yeah, shit, that little stem on the leaf is like an accent. That is clever. I never got that either. The other
2: thing that I want to say about the logo is that when Stephen Del Duca, uh, he held this like event at a hotel maybe a month ago, a month and a half ago with all his candidates, and he was asked about the logos when they first debuted it, and his reaction was, I love the circle.
0: I personally love the circle. Uh, the circle, to me, represents Ontario, one Ontario, all of us in this together, really as, as a provincial family. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> it also looks kind of like a stop sign. Um, LAUGHTER or like like a red button in like you know one of those memes where like the sweating guy is trying to decide which button to press. I honestly don't really mind the thing. I think it looks
2: fine. I'll give it uh two hundred and thirty.
0: Oh wow, okay. Now I'm worrying I was gonna be too hard. For one to four hundred and thirteen, I would rate it um okay, maybe it'll be a bit nicer. Hundred and three. I promise we'll get to policy next week. But this is so much fun. Come on. And that was Wag the Dog, a show about always fighting for you, just like when we started. Oh, and now we'll get it done. Get it done. In some
2: ways that song sounds romantic when you read it like that. <laughs>
0: oh, um, well, we, we got it done.
2: We'll be releasing shows weekly all month to cover the Ontario election campaign. You will get an episode from us every Friday recapping the biggest, weirdest and most interesting things to happen that week and also ranking them from 1 to 413.
0: I'm Jonathan Goldsby. You can find me on Twitter at Goldsby and actually also on this week's episode of a uh, Candleland Shortcuts podcast, which I guest host um, with uh, co-host slash guest uh, Matea Roach, which is which is fun.
2: I'm Alison Smith and you can find me on Twitter at at Queen's Park today.
0: Uh, Our producer is Kevin Sexton, our managing editor is Kieran Outsorn, and our theme music is by Nathan Burley.
2: Our podcast is listener-supported. Now is a great time to sign up because CanadaLand is offering a special deal. $3 for three months of premium feeds for all our shows. Just go to CanadaLand.com slash join.